Hey, what it do, what it could be, hopefully it's what it should be. I'm Sneaks, by the way. And I'm LAG. And this is Busy on Music. We got a great ghost in the building. Who's our ghost, baby? Our guest host today is going to be Brian Money Salas. Hey. Guest host, ghost, okay. Yes. Yeah. I see I see what you're doing. I see that. That's clever. <laughs> How are you guys doing this evening? We are lovely. How are you? You know, um, I'm good. Overall, I'm always good. There's just always a lot going on. You know what I'm saying? There's just always... Just a lot going on. So when people ask me how I'm doing, I always have like a pregnant pause because like, well, I don't, how am I doing? You know what I'm saying? Because I don't always catalog the moments of my life. And when I just be just doing shit and I look up, it's like, oh shit, the hell, a lot of shit's going on. You know what I'm saying? So, but overall, no, I'm doing good. Life is good. That's good to hear. Life is good. Life That's is a good. great reference. I, and I go by that, you know, that Nas album title a lot. Life is good. Like, you know, I, I use a term with, with Head a lot, DJ Head, who's one of my clients. Net positive. When you look at you know the the good and the bad, when it's all said and done, was it was the experience a net positive? And if it was a net positive, then yeah, you know, even if it's like point two percent good, hey, it was a net positive. You know, so life is good. That's good. That's good. and you guys, how's everything with you guys? Great for myself. I can say it's been great. This podcast has been bringing me a lot of joy. The success of it, the people that's actually been interested in it, we didn't expect it. We just came in here thinking that we should talk and try to just put it out there, some education, and people actually feel like they need to be educated. So, I like that. I think we, we, we're, we're in a space where, you know, people want and have access to education, right? You know, in platforms like this and the internet and Google and things like that, things can be shared so much easier, you know. When I was coming up in, in the game, as far as being young and being interested, information wasn't so readily available. You had to go get, you know, you had to go to the bookstore and get a book. Yes. You know, everything you need to know about the music business or music business 101 or music business for dummies and things like that, right? And I'm not one of those people who, you know, subscribe to the notion of, you know, you want to learn about the business, go to your nearest bookstore. I'm not anti the book. I'm just... So much of this business is nuanced and gray area that you can't get in a book. It's about the experience of, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, but you have to understand, you have to, you have to go through that experience to understand that experience. Well, you know, why is it gray area? And, and, and your experience, you may do something one way that works for you that I would advise someone never to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that's the reason why I was saying that. When it comes to education, it's not we're not trying to sit here and say we know everything. A lot of this education comes from our mistakes or our experience or our downfalls, and it's up to you to be like whether you want to go through it or whether you know how to avoid it or us to tell you how to avoid it, you know? Exactly. And it just pivots back around to education and being aware of what you got going on because you need to know that this is a business. This is business. <clears throat> and it's an ever-evolving business. I was explaining to someone not too long ago that the music business like literally sits on like the San, San Andreas Fault, meaning that <laughs> it never settled. It's always moving, shifting. Sometimes there's a huge shakeup. Sometimes there's just these gradual shifts that we're not even paying attention to, but it's never solid. And every three to five years now, it used to be longer stretches, but now, right? And it's like, oh, we're doing business just differently. You know what I'm saying? So, <clears throat> you know... You have to stay um, open-minded. Because um, I realized something about, you know, myself, you know, um, back in, like, you know, 2019, I started kind of using my Twitter a little differently. And 
have to understand, I've been on Twitter since 2009, you know, so I was one of the early, you know, adopters of Twitter, but I didn't really tweet like most people did, you know what I'm saying, like just tweet my random thoughts and things like that, I just kind of used it for networking purposes and things like that, but um, over the years, you know, I would say things here and there and I would see that, you know, people kind of like would respond, but in 2019, I was a lot more intentional with my, my platform, right, just kind of saying things that would come up, you know, come to my, you know, I would think about, you know, philosophical things about the business, you know, or life and things like that, or things that I've said to people in real life, like advice, and I thought, you know, that's actually really good advice, I should probably share that, and over the course of 2019 and 2020, especially during the, the quarantine part of the pandemic, I realized people really, like, gravitated to the things that I said, and I never thought people paid attention to me, you know what I'm saying, I don't have my face on socials, I don't promote myself like that, my bio doesn't have anything that says I grew up on really good, disrespectful music. Like, <laughs> I don't give you any information. So I, I always assumed that, I always assumed that I was this anonymous person on Twitter. And then I started tweeting certain things, and the engagement was, like, very, like, noticeable. I'm thinking, oh, wait, people are paying attention. Like, people are really paying attention and, you know, agree with what, for the most part, agree with what I say and things like that. And you don't realize how many views there are. You know what I'm saying? Yep. You don't. And um, and it's important that, you know, that you you do share because there are people who are looking and and would benefit from those moments and, and things like that. Um, you know, even our relationship, you know, goes back to, you know, you, you I think you started following me and, and whatnot, and you always wanted to have, like, access to me. And I was going to think, like, why does this guy really know me so bad? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean... Like, you really put in a lot of effort to um, develop a relationship. And I give you all the credit. Our relationship is based off of 100% your effort, right? Which always is respectful and, and whatnot. And I never considered that I represented something in your life as far as something to look at, right? Yeah. Like, it's like, okay, this guy is doing the business in this way, and I, you know, I, I respect it. Or um, there's things that I could, like, um, you know, emulate or, or whatever it may be, right? And so I kept, you know, I was always thinking, like, I don't know why this guy's making such an effort to get to know me and, and want to stay connected. But at the same time, I never dismissed you either. No, you never. You know what I'm saying? I never, like, didn't answer. Like, if you asked me for my number, I gave you my number. If you did, Whatever you asked me, I did. Like, you know, you wanted to talk on the phone, picked up the phone call. Like, every it, time. It was just, you know. I didn't think anything of it more than, um, you know, I didn't think anything of it, to be honest with you. In hindsight, I realized one of the beautiful things about my humility was it allowed me to share with you, right? And I don't know what I've done and or said to you that you then turned around and done and said to others, right? I have no idea. But I would imagine conversations we've had, things you've seen me do, whatever, you then turn around and bless the people in your your professional life, right? Because I know there's a mission, I know what you're trying to do. And so I don't even think about the ripple effect of the you. So it's not just, you know, me saying the things I say. You're paying attention. You're like, I resonate with what Silas is talking about. And then you turn around and then you tell the people in your professional life, yo, and then they be like, damn, that's some real shit. And then who knows what they may do. And then you start to see this ripple effect of, ideology, right? Thoughts, um, intense intentions and things like that. And so now coming into 2021, realizing 
the impact that I had via socials, especially actually Instagram and, and mostly Twitter, I was like, oh, it's important that I do talk more and share. And then in recent months, I've been having opportunities like this where people want to sit and talk to me. I'm thinking, really? Like, I'm flattered. I don't know why you guys want to talk to me, but <clears throat> we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about, right? And people tend to get something out of these conversations, you know, where I'm in, being interviewed or I'm on podcasts or what have you. And, and so now, um, Head and I talk about, we just had this conversation today, like, me and him said, we're the last two people to understand the impact that we have out here. We don't understand. We really don't. It's not fake humility and whatnot. We really don't understand the impact that we have out here. We just do the work. The crazy part about it is it all trickles back down to both that two-way street. I know about you, and I became interested in you because of DJ Head. Like I said, I would listen to Homegrown Radio, and, and once I tapped in, like I was one of those listeners that went back through all the episodes, and I, re I went through reverse style, you know, it was, oh shit, oh shit, and if you pay attention, DJ Head talked about Silas all the fucking time. He does. And he really like, does. He's always made sure that people know that, you know, there was this other guy, in, you know, in the background that was very much contributing to the, the positive things happening in his Overall, like, that's not just professionally, just in his life. Personally. No, exactly. You know? And for me, as a manager, it was like, I, res I resonated with that. So when you would get on the microphone, like, he would, because I'm that type of person where, like, I'm with my artist 24-7. Like, that's how my relationship type shit is. Um, I'm in a studio, you know, we going to go eat. We going to go do this. Like, it's, it's an actual personal bond that I have with my artist. That's why I take my management shit so seriously and I don't just jump into relationships with people. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um and you have that same thing with your artist and I was just like okay so what I'm doing it does mean something and then when you jump on a microphone you spoke so properly that I thought you was a white guy <laughs> I'm telling you the first time I seen DJ Head in person he was with some I don't know who the fuck he was with but he was not black he was with some Caucasian I was like is that Silas he's always with a, he's always with Silas and I might be Silas. <laughs> Doesn't help that you don't really have pictures. I have no pictures. <laughs> you don't post. And my first name was Brian Spoiled with a Y. Like, I'm giving you nothing to work with. Nothing. I'm giving you nothing to work with. <laughs> so That's like, a good thing, though. I mean, <clears throat> I understand. I, I feel like no way, but I was like, yeah, yeah I, I have. The thing is, is, what's funny is when I was younger, see, I'm older, right? So I'm in that generation where, you know, you talked proper. Everyone says you talked white or whatever, right? But my mom, who. Although she wasn't able to finish school because she, you know, she had me as a teenager and whatnot, it's very smart, extremely well read, extremely well read, right? Um, to the point where she opened up her own bookstore, like loves books, and um, she made sure that I spoke, you know, correctly at home. I would go to school though, and I'd be with the homies, and you know, and I would, you know, I would, you know, I would switch, I'd code switch and whatnot. But it wasn't until I got to college where I was like. I am, I'm not doing all this. I'm going to be me. And me is, I'm grammatically correct, but I'm culturally relevant. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Like, I'm, I'm, you know, I understand what's going on in the streets. and whatnot. I didn't grow up in, in the streets. I didn't grow up in the hood and whatnot. I was very fortunate to have a very solid middle class suburban upbringing. But I'm very comfortable in those environments and whatnot. And so as I got older, especially when I got, you know, later in my 20s and my early 30s and I would, and I started hanging out with like, you know, artists like Jim Glasses Malone and whatnot, you know, who's really from Watts. He's a real, he's a real criminal in real life. You know what I'm saying? Like he's a real live criminal, right? 
um, allegedly. Um, I would be with him, just me and him, and we'd be on the east side, we'd be, you know, and we'd be with, you know, legendary, legendary street niggas and whatnot. And I would just be myself, talking like I'm talking right now. But my demeanor was always one of, I'm a real man and I'm always respectful, right? And, it, and I learned and it dawned on me that, you know, it's not, you know, how you talk and things like that, it's how you carry yourself. Yep. And I can be in the hood and I can be with these niggas, I can be on the streets and whatnot, and niggas fuck with me because I respect them and I'm respectful. You know exactly. what I'm saying? At all times, you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> you're from the streets, you're from the east side, I've shown nothing but respect to you. I never <clears throat> once played, played you. I'm from the streets, I'm from the east side, and how I gravitated with you, to you is because I'm trying to gravitate towards what your lane is. Like I tell you, I don't know who the fuck you was. Your voice came off proper. I just thought you, I assumed you was this white guy. I related to you. I didn't really, you know, it wasn't really like, oh, interested. Oh, I need to try to figure out who this person is. The minute a post came up and I seen you was black in a white t-shirt, I said, this nigga's a nigga. Yeah. I said, oh, okay. Wait, pro he, clubs and Levi's. I said, he, he different. Let me figure out who the fuck this is then. That's what people don't understand. I think I need to be like this. I'm pro clubs and Levi's nigga. Like, I'm not trendy. I'm not trying to wear Balenciaga and shit. I'm a pro club nigga. Pro club heavyweight. I'm wearing a pro <laughs> club right now. Heavyweight. You know what I'm saying? I got pro club sweats on. Like, I'm just a real discomfortable nigga, like, you know what I'm saying? And it's not from anything more than just being who I, that's just who I am, right? And Glasses gave me one of the greatest compliments ever when I was, when I was working with him years ago was that Glasses, what one people, people understand is he's brilliant. He got a perfect score on his SATs. He's a very smart individual, right? But he said, you know what, what I like about you, Silas, is you can speak for me. And it wasn't because he's not articulate, like he can't put sentences together, but I understand the artistic brain and the street brain, and I can articulate that to corporate America. I can articulate that to record labels. I can articulate that to, um, um, you know, brands and things like that. Because I knew what he was what was in his brain, and I could translate that. I could articulate that because I am so well spoken, but I'm so, like I said, culturally relevant. Um, and so as I've gotten older, I lean into. So the reason why I use Twitter like I do is because I'm so good with words. Some people are great with Instagram. They're great with pictures, great with stories and doing all kinds of shit, filters and all. I'm not that. <laughs> words? Niggas can't, get, can't, can't compete when it comes to words. That's why I be talking shit and I be clowning niggas. Like, I'm too good at it. I be saying shit and like, niggas, they can't get me. It's like, oh, you don't want to do this. On Twitter? Oh, I'm, gonna, I'm killing you off. You know what I'm saying? And it's because I'm good with words. And, and one of the things I always tell people is lean into your natural advantages. I'm a Twitter guy. That's the social medium for me. That's what I use. You know what I'm saying? Some people, TikTok is their thing. Some people, Instagram is their thing. Their thing. Some people's Facebook. It's whatever. I use Twitter. Twitter is how I built. My, I'm, you know why people call me Salas? is because of Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's not because I call myself Salas. You know what I'm saying? My nickname growing up was Money because of playing basketball. And then I used to have money as a kid. Like I had a job and I always had money. So that was my nickname all the way through like early part of my 20s. And when I tried to transition into this business, I would introduce myself as Money, but it didn't really catch on and then when twitter happened um silas money was kind of just uh an online handle that was like my yahoo account silas money at yahoo this is everything was silas money right so i was like oh fucking silas money and then when people would meet me in real life after meeting me on twitter they would call me silas <laughs> okay I and mean, that's my name 
Okay. They're not wrong. And if you look, my name says Brian Money Silas in my, you know, yeah. it's not like I'm hiding, you know, but they would call me Silas or they call me Sal or whatever. I'm thinking, why do I do this? Ten years later, like, I'm, I have to introduce myself as Silas because if I don't, then I have to explain why everyone calls me Silas later. So Does anyone call you Brian still? Um, mom. My, my, yeah, my mom. <laughs> Um, his ex-wife if I have a conversation with my ex-wife what's funny is she didn't used to call me Brian she calls me that post-marriage um, and that's really about it like a few new people will follow me on social media and they'll call me they'll refer to me as Brian but I think they realize that oh everyone calls this guy Silas and the persona of Silas came from that you know like oh that's who you guys think I am I'm this guy oh okay so I just lean into that I'm just now I'm just I'm just Silas and I just walk around being Silas, you know, and and I, I, I go with the flow of of the energy. It's like, okay, I'll be that guy, you know, talking shit and, and helping out. I talk shit and I help out. You had a question that you wanted to ask, my because I for me it was, I was gonna ask you about the Silas thing. I mean, the money thing, the Brian money. Like, where did Brian money the money come from? And it's the funny part is that's your actual nickname and Silas got put upon you. Yeah. So I Yeah, no. Money <laughs> came from one day seventh grade. You know how we used to go to, you know, elementary and, and, and junior high, right? Well junior high when I was back then, it's middle school now. You would play ba- you know, you play basketball before school, you play basketball at lunch, right? Mm-hmm. And um I was one day before school, I was just on fire. I just couldn't miss. You know, one of them days you just can't miss, right? And one of the eighth graders I was so high, he's like, man, you like money in the bank today. By lunchtime, by the time we came back on the court, everyone was just calling me money. Because, you know, if one of the popular kids says something, then everyone just gravitates towards that, right? So it was one of the popular eighth graders that said, man, you money in the bank, you money in the bank. By lunchtime, I was money. And when I tell you <laughs> that was it from there, I was money the rest of my school experience. Like, the rest of my school experience. They were mad every time you missed, huh? Yeah, and, they, and so and what's funny is I have, there's people who have known me since like middle school high school days they still call me money like my godson i'm uncle money to him that's because he's your godson you know what i'm saying yeah well because his dad knows me you know his dad calls me money right so yeah, i'm uncle money i wonder why you kept the money i was like you sell this now why are you keeping money well, like, the thing it, is, it has to be for your seventh grade friends well i do it because it's part of my world journey you know how you never turn your back on your 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 life experiences mm-hmm. like you're very open with your life experiences right you could you could be like i'm never gonna talk about that i did i did what i did i did my time and I, and you could just kind of like that's a closed chapter right instead you're like this is this is who i am that led me to this well that guy led me to this guy you know like what people don't understand is the money persona which was always looking out helping out like everyone knows that i help out right well in high school right because i had money and all the homies didn't and like I said, I grew up in Rancho Cucamonga, so it's like niggas went broke. <laughs> niggas didn't have, like niggas would go to school like no lunch money or whatever. And I had a job. I would literally buy the homies lunch every day. You know? I would just buy the homies lunch. You know, lunch wasn't much, but still. I'd buy the homies lunch or whatnot. If we all went out, you know, I'd get the bill or whatever. I would, if niggas needed to borrow money, they'd come to me. I'm the same way, right? If people need help, I got you. What do you need? How can I help? What can I do? You know what I'm saying? So... The money part is, I'm still that guy. Still money in the bank. Yeah, I'm still money in the bank, right? But now I'm just this, I go by this other persona, but that person who wants to help and be of service, that person never went away. So, because I thought about that, I was like, maybe I should take this out of my my name because people don't know who that is. It's like, that's just who I am. I mean, it's 
it's my legacy. I mean, it's part of my legacy. You know, it just was the first 20 years of my life or whatever. So that's why I've, I've never changed it. Keep it. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it's, it's part of the history. And I mean, you're pretty much known by it now, so I think that's a little too late. Yeah, You got exactly. famous already. <laughs> you know, what's funny is um, my daughter's, um, a lot of times, for whatever reason, kids at school refer to them by their last name. And anyone who knows me knows that I talk a lot of shit in general. But I'm even worse to my own children. You know what I'm saying? I'm brutal. Because I want them to be ready for this world. Right? I just want them to be ready for this world. Right? I have two daughters, black, black women, right? Everyone knows women and women of color do not get the fair shake in life. Right? Mm-hmm. And so I want them to be ready for what's going to come. So, you know, I'm... Um, I coddle them, I'm, I'm dad, but at the same time, you know, I'm brutal. It's like, I want you to understand that, you know, I'm the only one who's going to ever care about the shit that you do just, just cause everybody else, you have to prove to them to care. You have to give them a reason to care. Right. Yep. So, so they know that I'm, I'm referred to as Silas all the time and whatnot. And as they've gotten older, people refer to them as Silas. And it's not because of who I am just in their own little way, but because mm-hmm. I talk shit, I like to sometimes rub it in their face some of the cool things that I do. Because they don't actually care about the things that I do. <laughs> but I like to like rub it in their face. And so I'll tell them, I tell them to their face, it's like, you know, I'm premium Salas, you're regular Salas. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe one day, maybe you can ascend to premium Salas status. But always understand, I'm premium Salas. And whatnot, you know what I'm saying? So I love how he said premium and not aged. No, premium. Exactly. <laughs> premium, you know what I'm saying? To get to this All point, about the adjective. All about, like I said, I'm good with words. Yeah. The thing is, is I'm very intentional with my words. You know, I'm very intentional with my words. I use my words, I pick my words very carefully. And so, you know, I'm Silas. My daughter's a regular Silas. I'm premium Silas. You know, and that's just, you know. And, you know, I'm hoping my ex-wife gives up her, her being a Silas, but we'll see about that later. <laughs> Damn. So yeah. with as many jobs and as many hats as you wear yes. and as many things as you do, what would be the title that you give yourself? So- I, don't, I can't answer that question because I don't... I just, for lack of the imagination of whoever I'm talking to, I go with manager. But that's such a small percentage of my my actual portfolio of the things that I do. Um, but, you know, you can't articulate all that I do. I remember when social media became really popular, like, five or so, five, six years ago, like, when everybody was using um, social media, and in their bios, they'd be like, I'm a rapper, producer, engineer, graphic designer, photographer, <laughs> you know, and you'd be like, and model, and you're like, you can't literally be all of those things, at least well. Like, it's just impossible. <laughs> Like, some of these things don't even, like, match. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're an engineer and you're a model. Like, I don't understand, right? And that used to really irk me. It used to really bother me, right? The thing is, is I literally could list all the things that I do and then I'd be that guy, right? The guy that I used to hate and see in bios. So I don't list all the things that I do, but I do a lot of things, you know, from managing talent, you know, A&Ring, um, producing, co-executive producing on the music side, I've gotten into TV and executive producing on the TV side, um, consulting. Uh, I help on marketing. I can help on the publicity side of things. I don't ever call myself a publicist, but I understood publicity way before most people did and whatnot, which is why some of my best relationships are with publicists. 
that I helped them in their journeys, you know, because mm-hmm. I understand I understood the importance of publicity. So like, you know, I I call myself like a walking label because no matter what the job is at a label, I can contribute on that level. You know what I'm saying? There is, yes. and what's funny is most people at labels don't know the jobs of other people at the label, but I know everybody's job. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're supposed to do. Like, if you have an album, like, what everyone's job is supposed to, to do and, and, what, and how you impact the building in that way. That's dope. And I know radio, you know, now because of, you know, homegrown. You know, like, my knowledge of radio is tremendous for someone who doesn't officially work at radio. Mm-hmm. I know a lot about radio. So, everything that you know and with all of the skills that you have and all of the titles that you've worn and or the hats that you've worn, the titles that you've held... What would you say is the main one, or what is the one that you're kind of driving towards to be the one that you're pushing till, you know, Well, you the die? reason why I started this, you know, I had the same vision that a lot of kids, a lot of young people had, you know, years ago with the um, success of, like, the, the Death Row, Rockefeller, Bad Boy, No Limit, Cash Money, right? It was that, you know, owning the label mogul thing, right? And that's what, that's what my initial start was and I did that I, that's how I actually started was I had you know started a label had an artist you know you know put music out but um I had gotten taken advantage of by people in the industry um who said they could do certain things you know if you give us this much money whatever right and it wasn't that it wasn't that they took my money it, they, they didn't like but I didn't understand because I didn't understand like like, yeah, I paid you guys to do this. And it's like, yeah, but we did that. But not realizing that, oh, you did it, but it didn't do anything for me. So you you technically did what you said you were going to do, but you knew that that wasn't going to benefit me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I can't say you didn't do it. You did it. But you knew it wasn't going to work. You know what I'm saying? And you just pocketed whatever of that you did, right? So instead of getting mad, which I should have, <laughs> I realized I don't know enough. I don't know enough. And so after I blew a bunch of money and, and whatnot, I was like, and what I and, and instead of giving up, I was like, let me pivot. And so I put the label to the side and it's like, let me learn the business. And I just started like doing stuff with people. You know, one of the things you'll see me tweet on a regular basis is do dope shit with dope people and, re- and repeat. Well, I just started doing that, just being around and contributing. And in doing that, I have learned so much. So to answer your question, the end goal is to still revive the label and put artists out um, from that perspective. But now, you know, I've worked with so many artists in different capacities. I, mean, I manage producers and things like that. The um, idea of working with an artist, although that's still what I want to do, I really understand, like, you just can't do it casually or haphazardly, right? Because it takes so much. And the artist has to be... You have to really believe that they're going to really make it. There's a lot of artists, I believe, they're talented and they can do this, thing, but like, are they truly like scalable? Like, do we have the next, you know, I'm always looking for like the next Snoop, you know what I'm saying? Which is like global icon, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, not just someone who's just good and who's like talented, but like who's a, who's a potential like a global you know, icon. And, you know, you have to get them early enough because now people are discovering people so fast. You know, how do you then convince them, like, no, come fuck with me, though, because I know what you, like, you know, and they can do it themselves. Like, well, I can just put my shit out on two, of course. Like, yeah, but you don't know what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? Yes, you can do that, but you don't know. And this person that you're calling your manager 
he's dumber than you. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you guys collectively have no idea what you're doing and whatnot. He's a homie. Exactly. I can provide (laughs) value and whatnot. So, um, so to answer your question, it is to to eventually get back to doing that and really putting on for the West in a way that I feel like we need a more kinder, gentler Death Row. Right? Everything that Death Row was without the shenanigans, we'll just say. (laughs) I've been saying the same shit. You know? And I think people respect me and they I'm respected in the in in the industry, I'm respected in the streets to the point where like I have the good aspect of a shit, but I don't bring none of that other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And it's about the integrity of the art, the relationships, and the people that you you know, you know, work with. But we that's what we don't have is um we don't have companies on that are LA based from LA natives that can really put talent on. Right, we don't have um, a big management firm out here. We don't have labels like QC and and um, what's uh, Gucci's uh, Ten Seventeen. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have labels like that, or even what Cash Money was just you know up until a few years ago. Like we don't have that out here because even the labels that we do have out here, it's not really. They're not really going to the city and finding the the, the best emerging talents and putting them on the label. They're finding talents to, to work with. But it's like, imagine if, let's say an RJ early got onto a label with a lot of infrastructure. He was with the right people. I don't, I have no, you know, him with YG and with Mustard, they were the right people, but they, there wasn't an infrastructure to really like take the talent of an RJ and then like, you yes. know what I'm saying? Um, there, there wasn't a, a West Coast like QC for that, you yep. know, or G Perico, for instance, right? These guys, I think, are, are very talented, and I think they were very easy to market and whatnot. Um, but when they went to like the major labels, so when RJ goes to Interscope or G Prego goes to um, Rock Nation, no one in that building understands LA culture. You know, we don't sell music; we sell culture. That's a fact. And they try to pay people too, and usually get the wrong ones. Exactly. So, how do you sell G Perico if you don't understand who Easy E is. Easy E is a crip from the East Side, with a high pitched voice. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that G is that, but G is that. Like that's the blueprint. Like they literally made a movie. Just go watch the movie, and then you know that's how you market it, right? But you know they were trying to like do all these other things. It's like he's one of the easiest things to sell. He's an outright Broadway crip. And he's talking about the same shit. He's talking about jumping out of um. Um, what you call it? What trap houses? Mm-hmm. Running from the police. He's talking about rolling through his hood, just like like it's it, it was the same. Exactly. Yes, same narrative. Same narrative. Just a new generation. Just a new generation. So all you have to do is you know obviously get the music. You know make sure you have the music that translates or whatnot. But the marketing is is like like I said right there. And he's an entrepreneur. You know he had the label. Even when he pivoted from Soway out to the new you know uh, Prequel Enterprise, like you know he's got the blue T shirt. Like he's an entrepreneur. Like. The thing is, is we don't have to reinvent the wheel. The wheel is the wheel. Once you invented the wheel, just go make rims. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> someone invented the wheel, just go make rims. You know what I'm saying? And that's the thing is, is like, and so we don't have the infrastructure where we're like, oh, I see this young, you know, you know, G Prequel cat, you just go sign him and you just go. And then now they're in an infrastructure where 
the business is about selling LA culture, right? So now as they're making their music and whatnot, you make it make sense, and then you scale that and whatnot, and then they become, you know, national stars, maybe even global stars, and then they can then leave and go, you know, I feel start their own labels and do their own thing. I feel like they've been doing that since YG. Um, like I feel like that the industry have made the streets commercial since YG. I personally, I feel like the minute that YG got banned from LA, <laughs> they labels like had to like restructure how to brand him, and the brand was just like, you know what, we're gonna make it, we're gonna make this gangbang shit okay. We're gonna make these red flannels fine. We're gonna create these red flannel shoes now. We're gonna push these red bandanas. Like it was cool to be a like it was cool to be. A blood saying Sue Wu or saying this and doing that, but they made sure that they kept the dangerous aspects out. Like you know, it it, it brought well, they, cre- it was creativity that brought to the table. Well, they also changed the mascot, right? If you think about it, who were they saying were the cool bloods? It was everyone who wasn't from LA. Little Wayne, mm-hmm. Chris Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm forgetting some people off the top of my head. And so, people have always loved LA culture. Mm-hmm. Love LA culture. They're scared of it when it comes from LA people. You know what I'm saying? It's scary when it comes from L.A. people. You know? But the culture of L.A., they love it. They love, you know, our colors. They love our cars. They love our lifestyle. People, a lot of people live in L.A. now. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Very quietly. They move, you know, from, you know, wherever they're from to L.A. L.A. is an amazing place to live. Yeah. Especially if you have money. You know what I'm saying? And then if you pay for your relationships, it can be a very safe place to live. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so... You know, we've, you know, they like the different mascot of, you know, L.A. and whatnot. We also, we, we have some tremendous stars right now that we, that they don't, they don't in any way hide that they're from the West Coast, L.A., Compton. But they also, though, don't represent the, the true embodiment of what we do to, 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 to let the rest of the country and world know that this is LA shit. And what I mean by that is when you take the the enormous talent of a Kendrick, right? Mm-hmm. Generational talent. He's you know he's going to be when it's all said and done discussed like the princes of the world. Yeah. Right? He's not just a rapper. Like he's an amazing talent artist and whatnot. But because of that, he's beyond the rap music genre as far as like what he does artistically. So he's never really done like LA shit. Which is like creatively would be beneath him, right? But imagine if on his ascension he was associated with mustard, right? Then Kendrick is pushing the LA sound, mm-hmm. right? And people are like, oh my god, I love that because his star power was bigger than being from LA. He was he was bigger than that, and you know that takes you know that takes our sound and our culture global again. Like he would have been like the next Snoop. Now the the route he's gone is the route he should he should have gone because that's who he is artistically. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He's an amazing talent. Um, use you know utilizing you know hip hop, jazz, and soul and all the things he's done um, to create you know the the career and the catalog that he has that's gonna make him be one of the all time you know greats. He's already in that conversation. Yes, he is. But imagine what that would have done for us had he been more with the our sound right <laughs> and so and then even you know someone like roddy right roddy's a huge star the box the record the box is is like nine point is like nine and a half times platinum it's gonna get diamond record within the next 
you know, few months. That's crazy. Crazy. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Huge record. Shout out to Roddy Rich. The record that broke him though was Ballin. Mm-hmm. Which was a mustard record. But people don't consider Roddy from here because sonically, yeah, he doesn't seem like he's from here. Well, he's from Compton and whatnot. And he doesn't hide that fact. Like, you know, he's not like shying away from that. Not at all. But it's not also, it's not as overt as like YG's Compton relationships and Compton roots. And so people nationally, and, and a lot, I've heard people in the industry say, God, I love Roddy because he doesn't sound like he's from L.A. That's offensive to me. Because what does that mean? He doesn't sound like he's from, what's wrong with sounding like you're from L.A.? Like, I love L.A., you know what I'm saying? I love Roddy because Roddy's talented, mm. you know what I'm saying? Yep. Why can't we just love him because he's talented? We love him because he doesn't sound like he's from L.A. That's a backhanded. You know? That's because other places like the South don't respect L.A. music. But they want everything from L.A. Oh, no, they just want our sources. Exactly. You know? and, and still think about it. Mustard's still the biggest producer. Yeah, Mustard produced that beat. Exactly. And that, that sound. So, you know, they come here and, and, you know, I remember seeing the Migos close out Real Street Fest a few years ago, right? They were the headlining act for their stage. And they closed out their set. So they did about 45 minutes an hour with Pure Water. All the records they've got, huge, great catalog, you know, with Pure Water, because it's like, this is smash. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's, and that's mustard. Like, and so we, you know, in L.A. have to, you know, connect our dots a little bit better. Um, one of the things that, that matters more than anything is just getting the business people in the right positions in the, in the in these companies. I have heard you talk about that recently. I know, and mainly you push women empowerment and putting women in position. I've seen you speak on that a lot. But I mean, I also, you know, look out for the homies too. You know what okay. I'm saying? I'm just very vocal. The, the woman thing I'm very vocal about because um, I have privilege. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I have privilege, so people, because I'm a man, so I'm just using like, I'm just utilizing my privilege to, sh- to showcase, you know, women. Um, but the, the, the male homies, I, you know, I look at, you know, you, you ask a few, you know, cats like, you know, you know, people in your like bracket right now, if you guys need, if you guys want to get a job or not, I'll, I'll try to connect those dots. I try to, I need you guys to be in positions of influence. That's what I need. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but we also need women too. We need women. You know what I'm saying? We need women of color from LA because they will, they understand things and get things done in the way. You know, you were talking about before we started, you know, this conversation, how you rely on your wife to, you know, do so many things that you had, like, to take some of that responsibility from her because you had overloaded her, but she was capable. Oh, yes. You know what I'm saying? It just wasn't fair. Exactly. But she was capable. Women can make shit happen. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's what we need. That's what we need more women. You know what I'm saying? In all aspects of life. We just need more women. In all aspects of life. They just get it done. No, I, I agree with that, too, especially in these buildings because a lot of things... Men have egos, and then on top of egos, uh, men have a tendency to try to build friendships slash relationships that doesn't really need to be there in a work environment where women will come in and be like, well, this is the job, and we just need to get the job done. And that helps trans- that helps get translated along the way. Like, me and her work out greatly because I we're the same way. I'm the smooth and I'm the comfortable and I'm a relationship person. But she's the, when I speak, understand that I'm speaking about business and this is what's going on right now. 
no one ever misconstrues that when she's in a room. And it's never going to be that way. And the balance in that is my personal... I will never be the one reaching out. It's my personal... I will not have the, the confidence, the, the you know how you were saying <laughs> that he was reaching out to you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your relationship is solely on him reaching out to you and all that. Like, I would not have the courage, I want to say, or just, like, the confidence to go and do that. I don't. You see how much it took for me to sit here and actually talk to you about, um, you know needing some work and you know if you knew anybody around in the industry who had anything like it took a bit out of me to be able to even approach you about that mm-hmm. so he does that side he like real quick and 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 how fast did i turn around and plug you oh immediately it was like 48 hours <laughs> <laughs> like within saturday to monday man that's what happened no but that's the crazy part where she said that she's not like that She's not like that on social media. She doesn't care about social media. She only posts on Instagram now because it's her job to do so. And she, I have to yell at her to do that. Sometimes I'm posting it for her. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how bad, like, she doesn't do it. But I'm the person that I'm not willing to go up to you and just speak to you randomly. Because that. that feels odd. But she, who's that? Like, I'm just one of those people like, hey, that's so-and-so and so-and-so. Like, just to give her the information. She's like, who? So, so, so. And she go right over there. Hey, I'm so-and-so and so-and-so. And this is... I'm just like, what the fuck? Um, okay. We're here. It's my we're job here. to do this for people on certain events. Like, for one of the people that I work with, that was literally my job. Like, for the whole event, to just go around introducing her to everybody. And I don't know everybody at all. I just don't really have a fear of talking to people when I don't know them. I feel like I care more when I know people. But when I don't know them, when I just kind of have a general idea and it's a very quick, like, elevator pitch... I'm good. I can, oh, hey, great to meet you. You know, this is upcoming artist, such and such. Like, she just really wanted to get a couple of pointers, or you know what? But if you know them to, on some level, it's a little harder for you at least talk about yourself. Yeah. It's very Because I care. So if I know the person that I'm talking to, I actually care what they're going to think about what I'm saying, as opposed to, like, if I'm doing it on something like that, it's a professional level, it's a surface level, I can do something really quick and be really good on a surface level. But I feel like when it's somebody that I actually know and that it's like, okay, we're taking it past the elevator pitch, then it's it's more of like a, there's more on the line. Because I give a damn, you know? So that's why I'm good at just going up to people. I've always been good at presenting. Like in college when I had to do my, um, was it, I had like a public speaking class. Mm-hmm. And I did great. I actually got one of like the extra credit things for speaking and all that because I don't mind presenting. I don't mind talking in front of a crowd. I don't mind talking in front of people. I don't know. I don't mind meeting new people. Like I said, I don't mind going up to people I don't know. Give me a couple facts about them. Oh, hey, great to meet you. I heard that you had this and this going on lately. Like, oh, no, I, I'm in this. Great to talk to you. All right, cool. Then you go on. I'm, I'm so the opposite. Really? So the opposite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm not an icebreaker. I That's me. I'm not I, an icebreaker. Like, but once you know me and whatnot, I'm very social, but I'm just not an that's why like my strategy has always been keep going out keep going out and eventually people will just know who you are and talk to you and that'll just lead to to relationships right that's why you know working with him was so good because he got me access and whatnot but my thing was just get in the room first and i would just you know i would just shut the you yell out. at me about this shit mm-hmm. I, you yell at me about this shit mm-hmm. Why I can't go in the room and just be chilling? How come my? Because you don't go. You're not at that level yet. No, 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 no. I'm yelling at you about not going to the room. See, I don't ever talk about you not saying anything. Have I ever said, "Hey, man, you're not talking enough"? 
No, I asked the question that led to that possibly being the thing. But no, you have not just I mean, said it. You're just not. A, you're not consistently around enough. When you're around, it's hard. When you're around, what do I do? You introduce me to people. I don't need you to introduce yourself. I will take care of that. I don't. A lot of these things I don't know about, or I'm not invited to. And so, so here's the thing, right? You don't know about it. You're not invited to. So let me tell you how Silas invented Silas. Okay. How, how did Silas invent Silas? He used Twitter at the time because Instagram didn't exist and I've never had a Facebook. And DJ Head. But I used Twitter <laughs> first. Even before I had, you have to understand, like, before my relationship with Head didn't really kick in until 2012. I had Twitter in 2009. Mm-hmm. So that's the three years before him, right? But I followed people that I knew were, like, moving and shaking at a lower level of an emerging LA, right? And what you have to understand is the human, this basic human psychology. People love to talk about themselves. Mm-hmm. They just love to talk about themselves. Well, Twitter was the method for them to talk about themselves. And so they would just tweet all this random, like, oh. It's like a diary for him. Yeah, exactly. Like, like 3 a.m., he'll be having some dark thought and put it on Twitter. And, like, in the morning, I'm like, what the? What, what was Are on? you okay? Yeah, exactly. What was going Baby, on? Baby, what's going on? Well, that's what it was invented. It was called microblogging, right? So what people were doing back in, 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 right. in, 20, in 2009, 2010 is, you know, they'd be like, oh, you know, headed to the studio with such and such producer, right? Oh, video show, video shoot with my guys, such and such artists. Right? What they didn't realize is they were low-key like, putting out loose itineraries of what was getting ready to happen for the day. So I knew what was going on. So when you say you don't know what's going on, people tell you. I knew what was going on. When I met with Head, and I knew he had all these relationships, I used him as my Trojan horse to get into those rooms because he had the relationships. All I had to do was go pick him up and get him. You know what I'm saying? So the excuse of I don't know what's going on and I don't know where they be at is actually not valid because <laughs> no one knows where shit is at. You know, it's about you find out via relationships and you have to figure out how to at least initiate a lot of that. Right? I literally use Twitter and then Instagram. Oh, this was going. Oh, there's going to be this party, or this going to be this event, or whatever it may be. All right. So DJ Head didn't have a, didn't like driving, so you use you utilize that, and that got you. That was my value. You don't mind driving, so how about I bring you food and that get me in the room? Because <laughs> we need to work something out here. If I'm someplace and you want to pull up and bring food, yeah, you know what I'm saying. I, I'm not tripping. Got you. Deal. Done. Deal. This is also what I do. So actually, set something solid. If you want to meet with him once a week and go buy him on um, what's it called, Blue Kitchen. Over there on uh, on, on Atlantic. Atlantic, yeah. Do do that. Every Friday I'll meet you here for lunch. How does that sound? Would that be okay with you if I take an hour out of your time while you're eating? I'll buy you lunch. We can discuss what I've been doing this week. Go ahead and, you know, give me a couple pointers of where I should keep heading out for this week. And then it's a standing appointment, and then you actually have something aside from, oh, yeah, definitely, let's work. Yeah, no, no, for sure. We're going to get it together. That was the best Like, he's you- 20 minutes away. Those are the best DMs, too. The best work ones. Like, oh. yeah, what are we working on? Yeah, people, no, my, no, the ones that better is tap in. Oh, I hate those. Tap in. You, whoa. I, those ones that I get with no context. I got one of those. Like, hey, tap in. We definitely need to do something. Hit me up. DM me right now. What we need to do? Let what me know. And then I suddenly never got a DM. Like, yeah, you're like, what are we? What are we talking about? So did you just want the? Did you just want the attention? The reply? The interaction? The thing is, is I get that artists specifically, but not even artists. He's even young business people. They don't know, and they were never um, groomed in the art of relationship building. I get that. 
That being said, you should still have some basic etiquette on how you talk to human beings. Mm-hmm. There should be some basic, you know, etiquette. And, you know, less work, tap in, you know what I'm saying? You know, come fuck with me. Like, these are just not... And, you know, I have an ego. I have a low ego, but I have an ego. And it's like, yo, you know, I'm kind of a, somebody out here. You don't have to come at me just somewhat correctly, <laughs> you know? And insinuating that I'm overtly ignoring you is never going to work. I have literally no idea that you exist. Not because, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm you know, I, I'm trying not to. I just, there's like... There's almost 8 billion people on Earth. I don't know any of them. I mean, there's a lot of humans that exist that I don't know about. Like, just because, you know, you're here doesn't mean, like, I'm, like, overlooking you. You know, I actually don't know to the degree that I go to stay as tapped in as I, as I try to be. There's so many artists in the Southern California market. So many. And everybody thinks they're worth checking out. It's like, you're not worth checking out right now. You've done no work to have a buzz, to have something. But I feel like also artists kind of make that mistake because of the fact that they don't know where that bar is. Artists don't know that they should already know about, you know, uh, ownership rights. They don't know that they should already have something to work with before approaching a manager. They, they need to stop expecting artists to know business. I did. I stopped expecting that. No, 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 they have to know it to no, a certain extent. No, no, it's gonna, like I'm common gonna, sense. Gonna, you have it's to not common sense. A little. Because you're not respecting the brain of an artist. You're not respecting the brain of an artist. The brain of an artist doesn't operate as the in the brain of like your brain. And that's Imagine what someone telling you to completely think differently than you think. And you're like, but this is how I'm this is how my brain is wired. Like, let's say I say, stop worrying about time, dates, and you just live off of vibes. Just operate, wake up in the morning without an agenda, and just just the rest of your days is built off of vibes. I don't have that luxury. I have a job, a kid, and, another kid. And like, your brain doesn't work that way. It's not even because of that. I feel like, okay, so... No, it is because of that. Because there's people that live like that. What I'm saying, and you're not listening, you want to debate me. And if you want to debate me, you're just going to be wrong. <laughs> you have to understand the way other brains work. You cannot ask everyone's brain to be the same. I understand that everybody works differently and everybody has a different way of working. Correct. That's not even what I'm saying. It's literally not what I'm saying. It's literally not what I'm saying. I'm literally saying people's brains are functionally different. They don't have a different way of working. Their brain is functionally different. So you're just saying hardwired from the beginning. Hardwired from the beginning. Person. They literally see everything in color. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They hear, they hear music in color. Like, they, you can play them a, a, a note or whatever, and they're like, that sounds purple. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's my phone. Um, and so... When you understand the true brain of an artist, the brain, the, and you realize, why can't they communicate properly? Why are they always late? Why, you know, in all of these things, because their brain is wired in that way. They're never, you can give them six clocks, they're going to be late every time. That's me. I'm, so I'm here's a no no see but you're I knew he was gonna try to hold on to that and be like see I just work differently that's why no, I'm no, always no, late no, to no, everything no. like no, I, I'm talking no, about no, no, just no, that no. last part I'm not saying I'm, I'm so I here's work a simple here's a simple shit. simple simple comparison I want to say we all went to school right mm-hmm. we all had to do homework mm-hmm. whether we liked it or not everybody who graduated high school had to take math they had to do math homework and they had to pass math. Whether we liked it or not, whether math was our thing, whether you look at math and it looks like a puzzle and you know what, you just don't get it. They still did some accommodation 
to where they helped you still have to get math, have to pass math, have to do that to be able to graduate and, you know, get that little stamp of a GED or a diploma. Mm -hmm. So I feel to that level on certain things, on those small, like, like being on time. I feel like being on time can be a discipline. I am, I am and was always late. He literally sees when I need to do something, I will put five alarms at five different times throughout my day to remind myself to prepare myself for that so that I can be on time. So let me ask you this question. You think artists should know basic things like, you know, being on split time. sheet, split sheets. No, I wasn't or, going that far. Or, I was going being of, on time. But you, but you, were, you started off with like not know, saying derogatory terms. But you were saying, you know, you were talking about earlier, you were talking about things like, you know, um, you know, ownership rights and things like that. You were mm -hmm. referring yes. to the business of, of music, right? You think people on the music on the business side of music should be able to read music? What portion of music are they? if they're if they're in? If, should should the manager should he be able to read sheet music? No, but he should have an understanding of beat count. He should have an understanding of honestly, like a lot of things that he has the understanding of that I don't. As far as like in the studio, and he does have that, and he made a point to try to learn that to be able to give good advice after kind of at least getting an idea of what it is that he's teaching. Mm -hmm. So I don't want them to understand how to go ahead and go all the way through ASCAP and actually, yes, I know asking for somebody to bring a split sheet to every session is a lot to ask of somebody, especially an artist. But I do hope that they would at least understand, for example, enough to not put their rap over somebody else's famous beat and then actually monetize it and be out here trying to make that be the one that's famous and be paying to put it on World Star and be doing that. Those are the type of basic things that I mean. I think you should basically know, don't use somebody else's beat that's already famous and don't put a lot of money and investment behind pushing that. But you've heard the, the term common sense isn't always common. And I'm not talking about music <laughs> business. You've heard that term, right? This is what I'm asking you to do. I think they should strive. What I'm saying is... <laughs> strive for it. If you want to be successful, right, accept the reality. <coughs> Don't ask for more. Accept the reality and do the more. Okay, so something that you actually told me. Where does that cross over into the fact where you can't be doing more than your client? Here's the thing is, you're on the business side of music. Handle the business side of music. Let the client handle the creative side of music. So, they're not going to come with a split sheet. Come with a split sheet. You know, they're not going to understand that they shouldn't put, you know, the song out on someone else's beat. Like, that is, the, the, the business of music is always going to be taking place. Let me tell you something, right? I've been wanting to be in the music business since the mid-90s. Okay? So that's before the internet, that's before streaming, that's before MP3s, that's before Napster, that's before all this shit. You know what everybody says? There's inevitable, every era, somebody about your age always says, oh, this is going to end the music business. This is going to end labels. We will never need labels again. We'll do it. And you know what's happened? Music labels are still here. Because mm -hmm. you will always need the business of music. Artists will never be able to do the business of music. People are not Jay-Z. And people don't respect the people that are around Jay-Z. Hmm. How many people are in Jay-Z's camp? We don't know. You have no idea because the branding is Jay-Z is the guy. We don't know how many people are in his camp. And Jay-Z is brilliant. I'm literally giving him his props. But he's brilliant because of his, he, he created a great team. Beyonce has a great team. These are people, you know, Rihanna, they have great teams. I don't know who Rihanna's actual manager is right now. But she has a great team. What I'm telling you 
is stop trying to expect the artist to meet at a, to meet you at a certain level. Understand that if they're really good at what they do, they understand shit that you will never understand. And let them stay there. And be better at that. And you bring the rest of the value of the business. And if you're not working with artists that are, can be great art, artistically, then don't work with them in general. Mm-hmm. But, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is if you have people that are just pretty good and whatnot, then you're only going to get just pretty good material and just pretty good effort and just pretty good um, productivity, right? So, so, so you're only going to have just pretty good success. So, and you know, and you're you're over here worried about what you know they, what they need to be doing on the business side of music. I'm like, just go get with more talented artists. You you went to school. What was the point of you going to school? I've been asking myself that a lot more lately. So use your brain. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? See, that's that's the crazy part because that's how it juggles. She went to school. She she excelled in school. It was for her. Me, I went to school and. As soon as I got done with my bit, um, music as a business class, I was gone. Like yeah. I got like two semesters, three semesters in there. I'm, I'm out of there mm-hmm. because I I wasn't interested in math or English. English held my attention, but math and all those other science and history, like I wasn't there for that. I needed to understand what this music business because that's what I was in, and that's what resonated with me. I always believe that school wasn't for you unless you know what you're going to school for. Exactly. And she had an understanding of what she was going to school for. But what I always argue to him on that point is that it's not like I loved math and I just loved accounting and I just loved business law. And I just loved, like, no, I hated all that too. You saw me sitting here in the middle of the night crying, still finishing this stuff. I hated it, but I had to do it. To be able to take my marketing classes, to be able to actually take my sales classes, to be act- to be able to actually take like the classes that I wanted and that were relevant to what I was trying to learn. I had to sit here and take math. You have to sit here and take English. You have to sit here and take all of those basic courses before they let you focus fully on what it is that you're actually studying. So it's not like, oh, I was just great at it and I was just I loved it. It was so easy for me. So like, you know. I just got to enjoy being studying marketing. It's like, no, I had to take that first. I had to go through all of that first again after having gone through it through high school. Because in high school, I was like AP, you know, all those other classes. So it's like I'm going through all of that knowing that it's like this is necessary to also be able to kind of get the benefit of that. Because nobody's going to give me a degree for just taking marketing classes. They give you a certificate of specialization but they're not going to give you a degree off of it mm-hmm. unless I take the math and the English and, and accounting and the law and everything else that I had to go with it. I had to take a, a some random elective. I had to take a dance class. I don't, I don't dance, but it was an elective and I had to take it. So I had to go and do that to be able to do what I enjoyed. So that's what I'm like. You can play. Oh, well, school's not for me. I just wanted to go to that one because that's what I had to do with it. It's like, yeah, but you I have to take fine. the ones you don't like. To be able to actually get the credit for the things that you do. That wasn't me. Comp- that wasn't me complaining. That wasn't me comparing the two different types of personalities of people. That wasn't. It wasn't a personal reference to what you actually do or what you went through. It was just you as the type. You a type A person of schooling, and me the type B person of schooling. That I didn't really care. Not for a school. type A person. Type. I'm not talking about. T- <laughs> Never mind. Forget the topic. <laughs> I, the I, I get. I get both of your points. And then there's, there's something that you're missing, too, going back to the artist, to the creative. How sometimes when they were a kid, they had to learn piano. 
which taught him how to read music, even though he just wanted to sing. We, on the business side, don't always appreciate the true genius of creativity. And we, we fault them for not knowing certain things. But what they do know is amazing. Imagine creating music on the spot. A brand new composition. On the spot. Like, you know, think about what producers do, right? When they make a beat on the spot. I'm talking about really dope producers, not just be some nah, beat makers. Yes. Right? Be, not a beat maker. But and they just set the metronome or whatever, and they just start playing something, and then like 20 minutes later, you hear the, the you hear about... 80% of what can be a song, just musically. And so where did that come from? We don't respect that enough. But we're going to then harp on them because somebody else came in and then added this and added that. And it's like, well, where's the split sheet? <laughs> I would get on them? No, no, no. That's not- your job. And it's your job. And it's your job. You know, see, everyone's like, in the studio, pull up the split sheets and handle it right then and there, right when the music happens. No. Let me tell you something. 2021, don't tell your creative people to do that. Never get in the way of the flow of the miracle. Figure that shit out later. Are you allowed to be mad, though, when they go, don't listen to you, don't tell you they're going to go record, go record a bunch of stuff, and then we end up not being able to put it out because the people you recorded it with that aren't giving you, for one, your files. But for two, like any type of signing off on the beats, 100%. on the engineering, on any of that stuff, and it's like them, it's your job to let them know the importance of it. But when at that the, point, you can't do anything to fix when it. When the creativity is happening, let the creativity happen. And now we can't use that creativity. There's so much creativity what, that can't be put out right what now. What matters more, because here's the thing: is if you interrupt the creativity for the business, then you potentially ruin the magic. Okay? Mm-hmm. A lot of your your most favorite songs, I would imagine, if not 100%, 95% of all the most famous, of all your favorite songs, no one stopped in the middle of those sessions and asked for split sheets. And you know how many of those songs people aren't making money off of? But what's the point of <laughs> But music? like, that's horrible. You got no, people that are old that have hits and are still talking about, I don't a, make money a lot off of, that. A lot of that is bad. A lot of that is old contracts and how business was done 20, 30 years ago, too. Business is done differently now. And that's not debatable. Like, you don't know how business was done in the 70s, do you? That's why I see. I'm, exactly. I want to say something, but I'm like, you know what? I got this perspective, so. You don't know. Business actually, what's funny is our, creators are way smarter now than they were 20 years ago. Way smarter now. It's actually um, hard to even sign what is called a bad deal anymore. You know what I'm saying? Then how do we still have like Meg the Stallion complaining? How do we still have uh, Summer Walker? I don't want to say complaining. I'm sorry. But how do you still have them um, unhappy? But how are those bad? You first of all, you don't even know all the deal points. But how are they no. bad deals? So they are? how are they bad deals? We don't honest. know. So that's what I'm saying. So why are they so mad at they the deal that they got? They outperform the deal. If I sign you right now to a recording contract, mm-hmm. right? It's gonna be very advantageous to me. You put up no music. You have no. You have no credibility in the marketplace. Why would I give you a fair share? Mm-hmm. Give me a reason why I would give you a fair share. I'm taking all the risk. Mm-hmm. Okay? And I need you for five albums, let's say. Okay? By the second, third album, you're a star. Mm-hmm. You, you're like, oh my God, you're like one of those ones. You know what you did? Your job. You outperformed the contract. Mm-hmm. So what you can then do is like, yo... 
can we renegotiate my contract? Or, and if I say, no, I'm not going to renegotiate, you're going to finish this out, I'll be like, bet, finish it out, and then go sign someplace else. Or if I'm smart, I'll be like, yes, we will renegotiate this because I want several more albums with you. And now I'm going to give you a much fairer, uh, much fairer deal points. So you can fake. Because I want to be in business with you for longer because you actually made it. So why did they do that with her? With who? With Megan Thee Stallion. They have. They've all renegotiated their deals. Oh, I never saw the ending of that. Uh, they don't. They never talk about Twitter, it. Instagram, type. No, there was whole videos. You know, there was like that whole campaign that she went mm. on where she was just very vocal on social media, and it was like, oh, Megan's not getting paid. Not, Megan's her, not getting paid. Her issue wasn't with three hundred. Her issue was with management, right? Was it was mm. with the production deal that she signed. Mm. See, the thing is, is people don't know like the record what a record deal really is. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of times you're signed to a production company that signed to, that then takes you to a label, right? And so then the label gives you the full deal points and the production company gets percentages of what the label says we're willing to do. Okay? Now, depending on what you sign for that production deal, it will impact your, you know, your net results. But if I'm with a production company and I have to I have to basically invest six figures to even get a major label interested. At what when do I recoup my investment? So yes, the deal is probably going to be not advantageous to you and whatnot. But if you outperform the deal, you know what I'm saying you're going to renegotiate. Now, most likely as a production company, I'm probably going to get a very small percentage because you no longer really need me. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. you have the relationship with the record label. You don't need me anymore. I don't need to produce you anymore. Like, you're working with the record label. So I'm, I'm probably going to take, you know, just a small little percentage if you're willing to renegotiate and keep me involved. Mm-hmm. Right? So when we see these stories that happen and whatnot, one thing is you're not getting a full story. You know? Oh, of course. Some walkers came on and she says, I renegotiated my deal. That was an original deal. I renegotiated my deal. I'm happy with my deal. You know what I'm saying? It happens all the time. What... What Meg Thee Stallion needed was she needed management to come in and deal with the production company versus the record label. She was always good with 300 slash Warner. Always good. The production company she had an issue with. That's different. So when artists talk about their label, the label, well, actually, there's like three labels. Are you talking about the production company? Are you talking about 300? Or are you talking about, you know, Warner? Like when Sizzle's talking about the label, this label, that, she's talking about TDE, she's talking about RCA. That can be very misleading. Are you upset with TDE? Or are you upset with RCA? I don't know. But even with all of these different labels and all of these different businesses that call themselves labels, you still feel like today these deals are just like 100% fairer? Did I say 100%? No. Okay, what percent would you give it? Fairer no, as, as opposed to like you said in the 90s. I'm just saying that they're fairer. They're just fairer. And, and what I mean by that is they, want, they, tend, they tend to want less projects from you. They're signing people for like three, four projects, two mixtapes, an EP, and one full length. You know what I'm saying? They're not trying to tie you up anymore. They don't want seven years. They don't. Now, production companies will do that, but the labels, the actual record companies, they don't want that. Because right now, they lose so much money on most artists, and you're aware of this, right? You lose much, we lose money on most artists that you sign, right? If something is not gonna work, they wanna be out of that. It's like, oh, let's let this person go. And the other thing, too, is if you're an artist and you sign a, you sign a deal, right, and you put out a couple mixtapes, but you never get that record for the label to really, like, fully get behind you and they drop you, 
right? That's not a bad thing. Because you know what they just did? They spent six figures in marketing you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know what you then go do? You pivot, you go to Empire, you go to Foundation, or you go to, what it, or you go to Orchard, and you do a distribution deal with now equity in the marketplace and whatnot. You get a 50-50 split with your distribution. They give you some marketing dollars or whatever. You put out, but you own your master. Now you put out a project to them and you own it and now you're now you're a profitable artist. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's not as disadvantageous See, as again, it was. So was. wouldn't that be expecting too much from an artist for them to have the common sense to go and do that? Well, are they doing it? Are they doing this by themselves? Yeah, so let's well, say... there's no manager? I was going to say, so the person I have in mind that I'm thinking of in that sense is like, no, somebody who doesn't have a manager, who did get a huge deal like that, who is now, I guess, not with the company anymore, but they were able to get their lump sum, whatever, and be out. And it's like, no, no management. They have nothing. But it's like, obviously, also not that knowledge that I feel should have been had after having gone through the experience that he did. Mm -hmm. So it's like, that's, I think that's where it's kind of like, okay, so do we expect them to have the knowledge to be able to be like, you know what, I at least got this, I'm going to pivot, I'm going to turn it around, I'm going to try to see if I can go and pretty much push this myself. Or is that too much to ask? Of I think artists? the thing that you ask them, the, the thing that they that you should expect of them, is the understanding the importance of the, the people around them, the team to help them navigate. That's the only thing you should expect. They sh- they should feel confident that their manager and their lawyer can help them navigate. But they should decisions. definitely have one. Hundred <laughs> percent. If there's real money. So the mistake was just not having it. Yeah. If place. there's real money. People say, Silas, you know, I need a manager. You know, when do I need a manager? Do you have, is there a business to manage? You're talking about business to manage. If you don't have a manager and there's business to manage, that's, now that's your fault. If you don't have a lawyer and yet you're dealing with contracts, that's your fault. That's squarely on you. Because we now know the importance of lawyers and managers. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And you can go pick those yourself. You can pick those yourself. Even then, what do you, what would your advice be, I guess, to artists that are trying to pick those themselves, but don't necessarily know what they're looking for? So, like, they feel like, okay, you know what, my manager should be somebody I trust, I trust my homie. Or, you know, my lawyer should be somebody who's a lawyer and who, like, I know, okay, it's going to be my cousin who, stud- who studied uh, tax law or something like that. So, what would be, I guess, the correct way to also not go into these people where you're going and you're getting taken advantage of because they know way more than you know if you're using your homie as your manager, you don't have business to manage. Okay? If you have business to manage, trust me, people are going to reach out to you. And they want to... You know what You know what people want to do in life? They want to be attached to things that make money. Mm-hmm. This is a capitalistic country. You want to be attached to things that make money. If I see someone out here doing it, I'm like, who's... The first thing I do is I, I hear people, yo, yo, who's such and such? Hey, what's their situation? Not even for me to specifically manage them, but like, well, what's their situation? Do they have management? What's going on? You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, I see now there's going to be, there's some business to manage, right? Mm-hmm. The idea of having a manager, a lot of that sits in the ego. Is there something to manage? Like, when I started working with Head, I didn't say, Head, I want to work with you because I'm going to manage you. I just wanted to work with him. After literally a couple years working together, and when he would introduce me, and has always introduced me to people. He's never had an issue introducing me to people. After a couple of years, he literally would introduce me as his manager. We had no conversation. Mm-hmm. We had no explicit conversation. To this day, we have no paperwork. He just started. And now he, he, he's upped it from being his manager to his business partner. These are things we've never discussed. Right? Mm-hmm. But at first, there was nothing to manage. I was just there to help. 
Then there's a couple dollars coming in and whatnot. Now there's something to manage. Now there's a lot to manage. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But he didn't need a manager at first. He needed help. Artists need help. They don't need managers. They need help. And that's what a lot of these artists don't... A lot of these artists don't understand the difference between that because... They come in looking for management, expecting help, expecting to get led into these different doors, or expecting these people to pay for these things, and not knowing that that's not what the manager is here for. The manager is here to make sure that your business is fully structured and help you manifest your dream, and if not, make it bigger than what you even pictured it. Exactly. And like people think a manager's job is to go like get more business. The manager's job is actually to manage the business that's coming in. A manager's not an agent. Now, managers also are compensated and are and get commission off of money that comes in. So they're incentivized to go get new business. Exactly. But it's not actually the job. The job is what's hap- where's your current business at? Let me manage your current business. Mm-hmm. That's a manager. Shows, dropping projects, merchandise, all of it. that's what I'm I'm managing that. Right? Now, if you're talking about we need to go get a new deal, all right, let me see. I got relationships with this AR and that AR. Let me see if I can set up meetings. That's something you can do, but that's not technically the job, right? Mm-hmm. And we've blurred the lines in a lot of ways. So artists would be like, I need managers. I need the manager. And it's like, no, you need help. You need people around that connect because there's nothing to manage. There's some talent. You know what I'm saying? But if you're not, if the artists themselves are not being able to, take care of their own living, pay their own living off of their art, there's nothing to manage. Because now you're asking someone to come in for a percentage of very little. Yep. If anything. Yep. But a whole lot of work. Yep. A whole lot of work. Where, like, I can believe in you and be like, you know what? I believe you're going to be something. Right now, let me just help you out. Maybe this will turn into me being your manager. How much work can you say that you have to put in as a manager? Like, like when it comes to the hours, like how late do you have to, how late do you have to stay up? Either being out with the artists, or communicating, or coming up with ideas to make sure that the next thing is put together, or you know, shit like that. I think there's multiple kinds of managers, right? Well, let's break it down. There's two kinds of managers. There's a manager that has one client that they're that's their whole life, and there's managers that have a portfolio of clients, right? If you have one client that's your whole life, right, then you probably got to match that artist 50-50 as far as effort because that's your whole life, right? Mm-hmm. And although you're only going to get your, you know, your 15-20% from what they're doing, um, that's your whole entire life. So whatever they're doing, you're doing. Um, if you're someone like myself, I'm more of a portfolio kind of a manager where because of the things that I want in my own life, I need to diversify my, my streams. And, when I, and, I, and I, when I diversify, you know, just the things I work on, right? And so um, I'm probably going to outwork every one of my clients because I'm doing a lot of work for them, but I'm doing a lot of work for all these other people too. Mm-hmm. So my day-to-day is probably crazy busy because I'm doing a lot for a lot of people, Right. And as opposed to just doing a lot for one person. So I think it depends on what, what kind of manager you want to be. Do you want to be the person that has just that one superstar client and that's all you'll ever have? Or do you really want to be like, you know what, I want to double in that, I want to double in that. Like, I want, this, I want this artist, I want that artist, I want this producer, what have you, right? You have to figure out what professional experience do you want. Who are you still having, who do you still have to manage at the moment? Because every time I look up, 
there's a new person around, but I'm pretty sure you've already been managing them for a minute. You just don't actually, talk don't, about it. I actually don't manage that many people. Really? I just be around a lot of people. So I have, you know, Chuck and Head, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Mars and Papa. Papa got beats. And that's it. Papa got beats. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. See, I did not know that. Who was the DJ that I saw earlier that I was like, oh, I didn't know that Silas managed him? I don't recall, and I told you I know who that was. But you were like in their bio for like oh, DZ? contact. DJ DZ? There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but DZ pretty much handles his own stuff. Sometimes he'll just need me to, to help him out and whatnot. You know what I'm saying? And there's there's people that I do stuff for, and they are more than welcome to refer to me as their representative and whatnot. But for the most part, they're taking care of a lot of their own stuff. So I don't, I don't, you know, I don't have to take credit for stuff that I'm not really like doing like on a day-to-day -day and whatnot. But DZ's my guy. Whatever he needs, he's got. You know, and he's, he's, um, a, he's the Heads Apprentice DJ. We do a lot of business with, with DZ. And he's the uh, the resident. He's also got the residency at Industry Thursdays as well and whatnot. Um, but for the most part, he handles a lot of his stuff. But whenever he needs me, you know, I'm there. But as far as people that I manage, that's that's if right now. Um, I'm helping out with, you know, a few other teams. Um, we haven't, like, finalized, you know, my full um, particip participation. And I just had a conversation with a young producer that I'm a super fan of today about managing him um that, that that would be like would make for me to have a very exciting looking 2022 so you're just gonna casually drop that you manage a multi-produce a multi-platinum producer mars mm -hmm. and that you manage a number one station in los angeles mm -hmm. homegrown radio host and personality dj header and and Chuck Bizzle, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. you just going uh, it's all casual to him at this point <laughs> yes do you understand the monument <laughs> and stables that they so, have this is what you have to understand is this is what you guys understand. I'm fucking brilliant. Okay? <laughs> I'm fucking brilliant. And let me explain to you why. Because I had struggles early on in the business and people did me dirty and took advantage of my kindness and my willingness to be involved in all these things, right? And I had to learn and pivot. What I realized was artists weren't the things to invest in. Because th think about it, right? Think about when you look back over time. What we, what we tend to consider, we consider eras, right? We either talk about label eras or producer eras. We rarely talk about artist eras. So the mid-90s, we talk about Bad Boy, Death Row. Or, or we talk about Dre and Diddy. Or we talk about Timbaland and Neptunes. Or we talk about, you know, Jermaine Dupri, you know what I'm saying? Because they have these long runs. And so when I realized that working with artists was real tricky and wasn't real st stable, I took a step back and was like, I need to have real impact. And what was the best way to have real impact? Impacting sound. Radio and producers last for errors. If I, if I represent the on-air personalities or the radio, you know, the radio team that can break records in LA, do you know how much influence that gives me yes when i'm in the studio making a record yes and if i work with producers right producer can have a 20-year run mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying and if they're talented like they can last different eras and things like that so when you say you casually just drop the fact that you work with you know mars and yes because i made a decision that i was going to manage sound See what I'm saying? 
Okay. Talents, artists come and go. Artists come and go. Think about right now. Think about who like the hottest artists are right now in LA, right? We're not we're not gonna mention it. Just think about who are the and then think about who are the who were the hottest ones five years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Let's just spend five years. Mm-hmm. So it's two, two so 2016 to 2001. The people that were hot in 2016 are they still hot in 2001? No. Not really. You know, some of it, you know, elevated and you know they're like the superstars of the city or whatever, but everybody else is kind of like, eh, where are they at, right? So we have a new crop of young, young talent. That's what artists are. They come and go. You know, you know what 1500's been doing for the last 15 years? <laughs> Being the niggas. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Same with homegrown radio. Being impacting culture. So my influence is much, much different. I'm not attached to something that's hot right now. I'm attached to what's proven. Talk that shit. So I'm saying, so <laughs> so when you say it, I say it so casually, it's like, yeah, but that, like, it was strategy. It was strategy. There's people that are attached to, like, hot artists right now, and it's like, yeah, that's cool, but, you know, when that artist isn't hot, what are you going to then do? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Do you have another, you know, uh, uh, group, uh, uh, you know, another, like, group of, of young talent that you're going to swap in and out? You know what I'm saying? Like, you see what, what QC is doing, right? Coach K was always attached to talent. He has a manager, but he had no like ownership in anything. And you know, he he managed a lot of the, the greats in Atlanta at some point, but he was just kind of left with like nothing of his own. So when he partnered with with P to do QC and whatnot on the label side, he had the understanding of the business from a management side, but now he's part of the label. So now, you know, it starts off with, you know, Migos and um you know, I'm try- I'm forgetting who else was kind of like the initial, you know, first generation. But they have so many artists now that, you know, as you start to see, like, are the Migos still as hot as they were? Maybe not. Little babies are fire, mm-hmm. right? Migos maybe not as, as uh, City Girls are, are still doing what they're doing. But then they got that girl out of what, Milwaukee, uh, Lakeith or Lakia? Lakia. Lakia. Yeah. Right? So then they have her. Now she's on her. So now what they're doing is they're just. Right? Mm-hmm. Because what you have to do, you can't just assume. There's very few drinks. Actually, there's one. Who has, <laughs> <laughs> like, well, how long is, we can't get rid of Drake? You look 12 years in, dominating? That doesn't, make, that doesn't happen. Rihanna, what too, if she would just drop an album? If she would drop an album, <laughs> right? So, so you can't even save her because she wouldn't put out the music. Here's Drake, you know. So, you're not going to always have a Drake. So it's about the roster. You see what TDE is getting ready to go through with Kendrick announcing his last album with TDE. So he's going to go do his own thing someplace else. What does TDE look like? They announced Ray Bond. In the, in, in the post-Kendrick, you know, uh, post-Kendrick, what is that going to look like, right? So that's why artists is not, you know, is, is not like a thing to be like, you know, I want to attach myself to this artist. It's, it was about sound. All right, I got two more questions. One of the questions. Pick one because I got one. We we do all three. I got um one um artists. One of the things that artists have a problem because I I like to talk talk a little bit of shit. I don't talk too much shit because I feel like it's rude and it's disrespectful to what artists do go through. But I do like to talk shit. And I made a post where I said that a lot of artists was just you know they was showing out during quarantine. You know they was making sure they was posting this new music. They was making sure they was posting this and that. It showed like it seemed like it was really working. But once the doors opened back up. That same movement that they that they thought that they were doing 
isn't really working. Like they feel like that they can just record a song, make a video, drop the song, promote it for three days, and then that's it. And I'm like, that's not work. Y'all got to put the work in. And they was like, well, well, what else are we supposed to be doing? I thought all we supposed to do is make music and put it out. So, what are artists supposed to be doing? So it goes back to what I was trying to explain to her: the importance of the business, getting a team. Exactly, <laughs> because it's several things that need to happen, right? And an artist <clears throat> just doesn't know all of those different things. You know, what I'm saying, and even people on teams don't know all those different things. But you know, when you when you create the music, it's you know, you know, one is if you're only gonna do like let's say a single, right? And you're independent, which I'm not a fan of. But let's say that's what you're gonna do. You're independent. You're gonna drop a single. It's like okay. You have to find the ways that that song can live in in the different spaces. It can live based on the kind of song it is, right? Mm. Um, obviously, you're gonna take it to DSPs, right? You probably don't have the resources to get it on a playlist, so you have to see about making sure that it spreads through. People don't understand the importance of spreading a record through a DSP, right? Share, you know, you know, making sure that it's shared. Like mm. Spotify is actually a form of social media. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They they designed it for people to share. It's not just where we go listen to music, you're supposed to share music. You actually ask questions and your fans gonna re- exactly. respond to them. And so, you know, you, you know, try to get the most you can out of your Spotify and, and, and try to, you know, hopefully have a song that's engageable enough that people love it and are willing to share it and put it on their own particular playlist mm-hmm. and things like that. But then, you know, where does the song live Digi- in the digital marketing space, right? Is it a song that, you know, you did a thriller for? Is it a song you did a TikTok for for yourself? Is it a song that can be utilized by other people in those spaces, right? Like I said, once again, I'm talking about if you don't have money and the resources to go get a campaign started. Yeah. You know, kind of live in those spaces. Is it a song that DJs can can utilize? Not just, and when I say DJs, I'm not always talking about club and I'm not talking about radio. What we don't respect enough is all the places you go to in life where DJs exist. Lounges, sporting Sports. events, you know what I'm saying, um, bars, you know. Like, I live in Long Beach, right? I live right off on 2nd Street. Anyone who's ever been to Long Beach, you know, kind of knows where 2nd Street is. It's, it's a very popular, you know, place to kind of hang out. Um, there's several bars with DJs, you know. They have to play music. They play somebody's music. Yeah. Same with, you know, downtown Long Beach. And I'm not talking about L.A. I'm just talking about Long Beach, a city of half a million people. has got multiple... Um, entertainment areas, right? Does your song, can your song live in any of those in places where DJs can be, right? And are you making sure that it's available and and accessible to DJs? Is it on DJ pools where they can find it? Are you sharing it? Are you making DJ packs for DJs and things like that? So these are things that, you know, you can do beyond just telling us on Twitter and Instagram that your song is out. You know, you have to, you know, and I'm just using very, like, basic you know things. I'm not even any. I'm not even talking about YouTube. YouTube ads. YouTube is a great place for like a lot of street music. You know, you see, you know, a lot of you know across the country, young street kids drop shit on YouTube. They don't even have shit on DSPs, but they're going like you know, Baby Stone Girl is going crazy on YouTube. You know, I'm old. I go to DSP. It's like there's two songs. Like how are they so high in the streets? And you go to YouTube. It's like oh, I'm tripping. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of kids are watching shit on YouTube. I'm the same way. Playing I was, video games. I'm like trying to figure it out. Figuring them out, you gotta look up some other artists to find out one of their songs, and then the rest of the songs not there. You just gotta go through YouTube and just scroll, scroll, scroll. scroll. And what I hate too is when it's not even under their account. 
So it's like to find an artist's actual good music or recent music, you have to find it under like either another artist account now, or like some so random. So that's something that you can do well, right? Is make sure that you make your music easily defined and accessible. Like yeah. you shouldn't have to work so hard to find popular music that's, exactly. that's buzzing, right? You know, um, you know, is the music accessible? You know, I I've always had this philosophy: don't get in the way of the dollar. Like, have you ever gone to a store? And they tell you the, the ways that they don't take money. We only take cash. We only take credit card. We only take this kind of credit card. Like, how do I want to pay you? Take my money. Don't get in the way of the money. <laughs> right? Yeah. Same with the music. Make sure I can find your music on AudioMax, Spotify, you know, SoundCloud, YouTube. Who knows how I want to listen to music? I don't know how you listen to music. I hate when people just send me a, an Apple Music link. I hate that. I don't listen to Apple. You know what I'm saying? But now you're not even realizing that you're sending me something that requires me to pay to to listen. Not that we should pay for your music, but I have to pay to have that specific service. Send me an Audio Max, Spotify, or SoundCloud. You know what I'm saying? Actually, send me a link tree where I can pick, you know, or one of those, you know, kind of things where I can... They make smart links. Smart links where I can pick which, which one I want to use. Mm -hmm. But if you're not going to do that, give me something that if I just click it, I can just listen to immediately. Exactly. People send me Apple Music, tap in. And it's like, so I click it, see what song they want me to listen to. I listen to Tidal, I go find it on Tidal. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've not had to do extra work to tap in. I'm a nice guy. Don't expect everyone to be a nice guy. <laughs> what was your question, baby? Oh, I'm going to close it out. So go All ahead. Right. Question well, number well my second question was. You're an executive producer of West Coast Confidential. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Congratulations to that. Thank you. Being from the West Coast, being somebody that I grew up on watching videos, um, being entertained by these things and these personalities. We didn't even understand that it was personalities, you know. But being raised on things like uh, 106 and Park, you know, Tyga in the basement. I like that y'all bringing that feel back with West Coast Confidential. But most importantly, I like that you strategically place two women in the mm -hmm. forefront, especially a, a female DJ at that. How did that come about? Um, so it's different pieces. So um, I was, I had tapped in with what um, Gina, I've been doing what Gina Views has been doing for a couple of years. But I've just been observing. One thing about me is I see a lot of things in the city. I don't always comment, but I see a lot of what's going on. So I was seeing what she was doing for the last couple of years with her freestyles and her ciphers and, and whatnot. Um, and some of the content that she was putting together. Um, and then I met Crystal, the DJ, at a BPM Supreme event in 2019, I want to say. She introduced herself and whatnot. And I had seen her name via like social, like Twitter and whatnot. And so I, I knew who she was, but I had never met her, right? And so I followed her um, specifically on, on social, uh, specifically on, on Instagram. So 2020, we hit quarantine or whatever. Crystal's going crazy. She, I mean, you know, she's not quarantining, but she's running it up. You know, doing all the, you know, underground strip clubs, all that. I mean, she was running it up. She was everywhere getting what, you know, she was getting it. Yeah, know? that's what's up. And, um, you know, Gina, I was, like I said, I always was paying attention to that. Um, and a story that actually I've never really told publicly is 
a friend of mine, her name is uh, Sharday, Sharday Jenkins. She's a, um, a very important high-level executive uh, marketing, I mean, sorry, publicity executive, multicultural publicity executive at Netflix. Um, so she does a lot of the multicultural stuff from them and has worked with other um, film companies and whatnot to do the publicity for, for a lot of black films. She's very much tapped into the L.A. culture. Like, she does a lot for L.A. music that people don't even realize, and she doesn't work in L.A. music, but she loves it. <laughs> she had told me in the head, like, yo, what are you guys going to do about Gina Davis? Like, out of nowhere, like, no context. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, what are you guys going to do? do? <laughs> like, she knew that we had, we had the influence to impact her career and impact her life. <clears throat> and it was interesting, like, I mean, I don't know what you expect me to do. Like, you know, I don't know her or anything like that. But I, I realized what she meant. It was like, you know that she's doing something and you guys need to you guys need to go ahead and like step in, right? So had I different, you know, different points, you know, reached out to Gina and had conversations with her and whatnot. And I told her, I see what you're doing. You know, let me know how I can help in any way, right? So I have these two relationships with these two young women in different ways. Yes. Okay. Fast forward to March of this year. I'm working on a few different content ideas for head and whatnot. And one of the people that I was, we were thinking about where we were going to shoot some of these ideas, um, the conversation of old school video shows, it kind of came up casually. And I thought about it. I was like, you know, I know kids today don't want to sit and watch TV. I'm in no way, do I think if we just gave it to them, they would do it. No, they like YouTube. That's fine. But I was like, but I think there is a demo that could appreciate content in that way. You know what I'm saying? If they were just giving it to them, right? And so I just started brainstorming. The thing is, is I, I have a lot of ideas, right? And so I just started brainstorming. It's like, like, you know, what if we put together like a video show on that? And the thing is, is I don't always just think of like utilizing head for all the ideas I have. Like, that's actually not what I do because there's a lot of talent out there. And I thought about Crystal and Gina because earlier in the year, I was thinking about them like, you know, these two girls, are, these two young women are very dope and dynamic. I wonder why they've never done content together. I knew they were from L.A. and whatnot. So I wonder why they've never done anything together. It seemed obvious to me. <laughs> so I put together the, 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 the loose pieces of, of the show in my head. And I put them in a group chat. I said, yo, I have this idea. I want to see if you guys are interested. Let me know if you guys are down to take a call. They said, sure. Get on the phone. I said, I have this idea. I want to do a video show. It wasn't actually like a countdown show, but just a video show, right? Um, something more like a rap city. And I was like, but you guys would be the hosts of the show. Um, and I would wanted to have some kind of a West Coast influence because we need to start finding ways to showcase our music and whatnot. But we can't be exclusively West Coast because a lot of people don't know about a lot. You know, so we'll, we'll, we'll utilize some bigger artists as well, national artists. They obviously love the idea. I didn't realize that Gina always had the dream of doing a 106 and Park show. I did not know that. I also found out in that conversation that they already knew each other because they went to high school together. <laughs> And I didn't know that. They're like, you know, you know each other. high school. And I was like, really? I said, how come you guys have never, you know, done anything? <clears throat> I got the sense that they went to school, but they weren't like, like close, close. But they weren't, no issues. They just, you know, hung out just different, you know, yeah. groups and things like that. So I could see the natural, like, chemistry. And as you can see, I wasn't wrong. No. <laughs> you know, they are amazing together. Um, and the, the two of them and uh, Productions by Rob, they handle producing each episode as far as, like, the videos that they're going to showcase and, and the and the talk breaks and all that. 
and I just kind of oversee the whole entire production. I don't even really impart a lot of that. I just make sure that we don't have moments that, you know, that could be too controversial or or that are just wrong. It's like, no, we can't say this or that. You know, yeah. I just step in, in in that capacity. But for the most part, I let them, I let them do them, you know, and they are doing an amazing job. So that's kind of like, you know, like how it came together. And then I, I tapped head to kind of come in. And it's like, I don't want a man to be on screen, but they do need a male cosign. You know what I'm saying? And my name wasn't wasn't big enough, so it's like, you know, when you come in and be like the LeBron James of this production, like, mm-hmm. you know, I'll be the Matt Carter, but can you be the LeBron James? Well, y'all hit it on every aspect, and y'all know that, and it's working, especially for the West Coast. It's really put a spotlight on us. I've had a lot of great feedback, and, <clears throat> you know, and the, the most important thing for me was I just wanted to showcase the, these, you know, everyone involved, the production team, and then those two as, as talents. You know, for me, it's like if I can take the show and make it bigger and scale it, that's amazing. But as long as people are paying attention and at least it's something bigger for them, that's the success. Yeah. You know, and I told them that. It's like, I just want you guys to be able to utilize this for yourselves to then, you know, catapult to the next thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, you know, like I'm pushing you, you know, to the same. You know, we've had, you know, very noteworthy people, you know, have seen episodes and have you know, seeing the clips and are very aware of who they are. It's like, so it's working in that way. And that's, that's amazing. That's good. Shout out to West Coast Confidential. Shout out to Productions by Rob Mm -hmm. and Breaking Ground TV. I'm proud of his, um, his growth. I met him back in iHeartMedia, what, 2019? 2018? Was it 18 or 19? 19. Yeah, he was, he was a cameraman for Homegrown Radio. So I like that he brought his whole, he grown with his own production company and he's doing something like this. Like, oh no, he's he's been around for a long time, just studying and observing, you know how we've gotten down and all of that, and so, <clears throat> and you know, and actually, he volunteered to do the show. Like he was like, I want to do this show. I don't know what the idea is, but whatever you're doing, I want to do. I'm like, all right, that's, that's a good idea. You know, so I was going to try to like put together another production team. He's like, no, me and my team won't handle it. That's that's speaks volumes when somebody believes in it enough. Yeah. just want to be a part well, of it. Well, I mean, you know, he took it upon himself because it's a lot of work. And it's a lot. And I'm, you know, I'm not easy to work with because it's like, it's about quality. Mm-hmm. You know, just because I know you're, you're the homie that I don't, I'm not in the homie business. I'm in the entertainment business. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I've had some real, you know, you know, direct conversations with him about expectations. Like, you know, they're very difficult conversations, but this is what needs to happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not here to be you know, be your buddy. I'm here to get this job done, you know. Exactly. And and he's he realized that oh okay I got to step up and whatnot and he has you know he has. That's good. So no him and his team him and Kern and their whole team great guy great great bunch of people to work with. And the question I had for you usually I ask people like what would what's the advice you would give for artists what's the advice that you would give for creatives what's the advice that you know if there was one thing you could tell to them uh, you I want to ask kind of the opposite. What's the one thing that you would advise that you feel is kind of like the best advice that you could give for people in the background? So for people in the music industry, for the invisible team that you were mentioning um, before that, you know, certain people have, like the Jay-Z team, the, the Beyonce team, the Rihanna team and all that. What would you say to them, but the early them? That you're the real talent. Think about how much talent exists right now. We can go on... SoundCloud, YouTube, 
walk the streets, go to the Third Street Park out in Santa Monica. Like, there's talent. There's no go to churches, right? There's talent everywhere. Who's not making beats right now? Who's not rapping right now, right? There's an abundance of talent. You know what there is an abundance of? People like us who want to do the work, who want to work with them, who want to do, you know, the thankless jobs, right? The jobs that, you know, are not credited, the jobs where you're not compensated, but you believe in the work, right? We're the real talent and have more value in yourself because a lot of times talent won't value you and have the value in yourself like, no, 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 you need me more than I need you. I can go get another rapper. You know what I'm saying? I can go get another producer. I can go get another singer. Can you get another me? Can you get someone who's going to put in the work that I'm willing to put in? Think about what you guys have done over the last handful of years. Let's say last three years, right, for artists. How many people could you say, you know, would have, would have been willing to do what you guys did at the level in which you did it for said artists? <laughs> okay? So the chuckle speaks for itself. So who was really the most important person in those dynamics? Right? Because they can keep making the same record over and over. All they need is a laptop and someone to send them beats. Okay? But all that other stuff? Who's really doing that, right? So, my advice to young emerging creatives is you're the talent. You're the, the, the limited resource. You know what I'm saying? And have value for yourself and don't put up with situations where people don't see your value. Because, you know what? You know, if they can do it without you, then let them do it without you. You know what they can do with you. What can they do without you, right? And so, I would say value yourself. You're the, you're the real talent. There's very few of us. There's a lot of people who've got, you know, laptops and microphones and Fruit Loops. Yep. So, that would be my advice. Well, thank you. I highly appreciate your time, Silas. No, no problem. I hope that um, <clears throat> you know said some things that you know resonate. That you know, oh, always. I'm pretty sure you did because it was resonated with me even, and it was our conversation. So I know the people that's out there listening and got them. Everything was good. I appreciate your time. Highly. No I, you know, um, I'm humbled by the this the idea that you guys even wanted to talk to me. You know, um, so I thank you for you know wanting me to you know pull up. I appreciate the. The hospitality, you know, wing stop, and, <laughs> you know, I really do like appreciate like you know the, those little details in life, like you know, man, it's like oh, you know what, I fuck with that, right? Because um, it just shows that people care, you know, they care about, they value your time and 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 whatnot. And so although that you know I'm here to be you know a guest and whatnot, I really appreciate you know you guys giving me the opportunity, and I think it's I think the work that you guys do. Not just on this podcast, but what you're doing in the in the in the industry in the in the business for Orange County and the IE and LA and whatnot. I've told you I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I yes, wouldn't do that shit. You did. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I have nothing but respect for the fact that you guys want to do that because it's like, shh, you know what? Thankless? Oh, you guys are doing some real thankless work. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> the people don't understand what you have to do to make it make sense and and the the light that you're trying to shine on. On these efforts and these artists and these talents and all that, so I I tip my my cap to you guys for you know, and I love how open you guys are about 
you know, your partnership, you know, personally and, and, and professionally, and that, you know, you guys are partners in this. I think we need to always showcase positive, you know, relationships like that and whatnot. So, you know, so personally and professionally, I think you guys do an amazing job. I'm very, you know, proud of you too, just what you guys have done, what you continue to do, and what you're committed to doing. You know, and I don't know if people give you guys that often enough, but they should. Because what you guys are doing is not easy. I'm talking about just life. Just the life shit is not easy. And you guys seem to like each other. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sometimes. It's like, it's like, it's like you guys seem like, okay, you know, you tolerate each other enough to keep doing it and whatnot. So it's like, pff, something's there. No, I appreciate so, no, you. Thank you for the, for the opportunity to pull up. I appreciate that. Where can people find you? Um, well, now that we know that, you know, I'm Silas Money, um, the, the only two places, you know, even though I did sign up for that new uh, version of MySpace or whatever. You've signed up? Hey, just, Space. I just did it so no one can use my name. That's a, See, we just had a conversation last night where an artist said that even if you even if you don't plan on using it, sign up and use and put your name in it so no one else can do it and try to charge you to um, pay, buy it back later. Because I realized I wasn't on TikTok either, and I'm not going to make a TikTok. But I was like, oh, shit, you know what? Let me, you know, as I did Hey Space, or Space Hey, Space Hey. You know, yeah, Space Hey. I was like, oh, let me go do this TikTok too. But anyway, I'm on Twitter and Instagram pretty much exclusively. Stylist Money, S-A-L-L-I-S-M-O-N-E-Y. Both um, platforms, you will not see my face. But you can go to Instagram, and I am visible. There is pictures of me on my Instagram. And he is not a white man. I am not a <laughs> Caucasian male. You know what I'm saying? I have known a few. Um... I no longer even associate with many. You know what I'm saying? Um, you most likely will find me in the city somewhere, and I will be wearing a pro club and Levi's. <laughs> My God. On the way back to the city now. On yeah. the way back to the city now. Yes. That's what we're about to do. And I'm Snicks, by the way. You can find me at S-N-E-A-K-Z-B-T-W. Oh, actually, it's B-T-W-S-N-E-A-K-Z now. And this is Busy Music, B-U-S-I-I-N-M-U-S-I-C. Good job. And I'm L-E-G. You can find me at J-U-S-T-E-L-I-G. And thank everyone for joining us. Yay!